Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. I want to welcome each and every one of you back to a spiritual journey that we're on entitled Hearing God, I want to look in the camera there, welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus, all of those of you that are joining us online, maybe someone in a video venue here at the Keller campus are watching this later. Let's put our hands together. Welcome everybody joining in with us. If you have your Bibles this week, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I told you last week, that's where we were going to go. It's in the guide and uh, it's 2 Timothy 3.14. Last weekend, I told you that we were talking about the who part of learning to hear from God through his word. This week, I want to take you to the what. And so the latter part of the message, we're going to get real practical together. Our theme verse is, my sheep listen to my voice. So, so listening is different than just information that's passing. That means like you're listening you have, as the Bible says, ears to hear. You're, you're actually hearing what God is saying. You're listening to his voice. He says, I know them. And then they do something crazy. They, they actually like do this stuff. Like every bit of it takes faith in, in him and faith in his word and trust that he is good. And, and like they follow me. So, so that is the goal. We started the year with the word disciple, like this year we want, we've had lots of new people come to our church. We've had lots of people come and, and, and you never stop growing, right? So if God has plans for you, like he's always doing something in you before he does something through you. So the good news in a relationship with Jesus, we're all growing along the way. So we started with this word disciple, which sounds like a student in a classroom, but really it's really a follower. It's a follower. And I believe that the first step is you need to know this. Some of you are like, is the first step like a hearing God campaign? Is the first step becoming part of milestone? Is, is the first step disciple? No, first step is receiving Christ. We, we don't sign up for a religion. Every other religion is do these things. And the hard part with religion is, is like you don't even know what all the requirements are, so you end up quitting. Jesus didn't say, here are my requirements. Perform well, get to me. Jesus is different than every other religion. He's like, I'm coming to you. So he came down to us, lived the life that we couldn't live, paid the price on a cross that we deserved so we could have a life that we could never earn. He does it for us. And so you receive Christ. He changes you. And then I think the best thing, I mean, right in the top few, man, if you really want to sum it all up, you're like, what is the Christian life? What is a disciple? Hear God. And do what he says. Like, like, we're right at the fundamentals here. Like, we've had so many extras. Like, we have, even in church now, we got better amplification and better music. And, and, and you know, like, like the, all the names of Jesus during worship. You're like, wow, that's powerful. But, but we can lose sight of, like, what is it? It's like the Super Bowl, right? The national holiday today. Thank you guys for coming to church. You're going to get, you know, you're going to get maybe like a, a, a paved area in your mansion or something. You know, I don't know. You're going to get like 
better fixtures in your mansion and bathtub in heaven for coming to church on the national holiday of Super Bowl Sunday. Millions of people are going to celebrate the Super Bowl. I'm excited about the Super Bowl. Love the appetizers. I'm an appetizer man. If you got good appetizers, I might make a house call. You know, the pastor wants to come see you today. I, I'm going to look. You know, my wife and them, they'll have a little gluten-free stuff. I'll be over here with the stuff the devil didn't steal from us. Get all these good things. You can just kind of have all kind of entrees like the church potluck back in the day. Come on, anybody. So everybody be enjoying the appetizers. And then everybody's there for the commercials. Everybody tomorrow, they'll be like, man, did you see that one? This is funny. They're spending millions on it, right? And, and, and so they're there for the appetizers. There Maybe something bad will happen at halftime and break the internet. And, and, and you're kind of like, hey, there's this game. This is a football. I find myself in today's world with where we're living, we've got so much peripheral activity. We've got so much like enhanced experience. I find myself as a pastor so often going, this is a football. This is what we're trying to do. Let's get back to the main thing. Let's keep the main thing the main thing. And sometimes you can get a whole lot of traction by just going back to the basics of what is it. Last week, the primary way you hear from God is through his word. It's not to win a Bible trivia class. It's not to have more information to make you arrogant and critical. It's to have a relationship with a God who loves you. So you are pursuing the who of the Bible, not just the information. And I said this, and it's true, the better that you know God, the better you will hear from God. Like his word tells us what he hates. It, it tells us what he likes. You know, it, the Bible describes like there are things God hates. The Bible says he hates divorce. He loves divorcees. He loves them. He will help you. He will restore you. But he hates it. And anybody here who's experienced it knows why he hates it. He hates some things. He loves some things. He told us to love some things. He, in fact, at one point said, hey, let me sum it all up. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor. Like it's like, whoa, man, he hates some stuff and loves some stuff. Now I'm starting to know what he's like and what he cares about. And, and the problem is we have a book. We have a book. And so now how do I get you to love the person of the book, but get you in the book, and that's where we're trying to go. And so when you're, when you're like me, you're a pastor, so you're preaching from this Bible, you're wanting to engage people in the Bible, and, and so you spend a lot of time preparing, but then a lot of times we get caught up in the periphery, you know? It's like people say, Pastor, that was a great message. I'll be like, what'd you get from it? I'll be like, that story you told, man, when your hair was done. You... Remember that time you talked about your dog? Like, man, there was some Bible stuff in there too I needed you to get. I had a great speaking engagement several years ago. It was so big, man. I had to vet them. I made them go through a request form and be interviewed with my team. You know, I was like so big. I was so excited to go. It, it was, it was a, a local Christian school chapel. And, and I knew, man, my audience. Now, these are little guys here. I knew they were going to be tough. So I thoroughly prepared. I got two young adults to do a skit. 
I, I got them to do a skit because, man, I, I, I know they need, you know, and, I, and it didn't matter what the skit was about. I was like, you act like a dog, y'all get in an argument, you know, just something just, just crazy, didn't have anything to do. So they got, there's a little skit. And then I knew, I, the, the parents would be mad if I brought candy, so I brought fruit snacks. Look, I'm not a rookie. I gave them fruit snacks. But then I got the Bible out. And these little guys, man, I was preaching Jesus and the incarnation and pontificating and postulating and dissecting the word of the living God. But I got some feedback from them, what they got from my great message. They sent me some letters. These are real letters. This is Aiden. He said, Dear Mr. Little, thanks for speaking to us in chapel. I like the skit and thanks also for the fruit snacks. Please come again. <laughs> Dear Mr. Little, I love the skit. Gavin said, thank you for the fruit snacks. And then, dear Mr. Little, thank you for speaking to us in chapel. I love hearing the story. Thanks for the fruit snacks. We, we, <laughs> we laugh. We're a lot like that. It's like, okay, wait, like we want to learn how to receive from the word. Last week I talked to you about the who. I want to talk to you about the what. Second Timothy chapter 3 now, the context is important. This is a spiritual father writing to his spiritual son. He had some spiritual women in his life, and he had some grandmothers and aunts. And how many of y'all are thankful for the moms and grandmas that prayed us all into the kingdom? Thank God for them. But his dad was in a different lineage, and so Paul came to his hometown, and Paul took him with him. And remember, a lot of the word is more caught than it is just taught. And so they started living it together and walking it out together. And he was now, this is way later in the journey, and he's the pastor of this church in Ephesus, and, and it's big, and there's no YouTube-like life hacks on what you do in these situations. And man, this young guy, is, it, it, he's, he's pastoring, and there's, like, there's opinions, and there's people of power and position, and some estimate 50,000 people. And so the context is important. This is a spiritual dad. We can relate it to like a natural dad too, or a mom, or an aunt, or, a, or, or writing to a niece or a nephew. It's this heart to, to like, you're, gonna, you're, in, you're, you're thinking about all this stressful stuff. Let me, let me help you keep the main thing, the main thing. Don't get spun out here. He says to him, no, there's, there's all kinds of stuff going on too, by the way. Heresies and mindless chatter. Our world today, people caught up in superfluous things and arguing over irrelevant stuff and worried about that. He says, though, don't worry about all that. As for you, continue in what you have learned. Don't, don't, don't get cute. Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Did you see that? Wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, meaning there's no more fundamental, foundational, clear, surefire, 100% guarantee that you're hearing from God than when you read His Holy Word inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you, there's also a way to approach it as well that influences how God speaks. But he speaks through his word, teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. So for what? Why would we have a value at milestone for the Bible? 
Why would I teach from the Bible? Why do we have our kids doing a hearing God, learning the Bible? Why, why do we, we take kids away to retreats and camps to make it real, to like, we spend 400000 above budget to take our high schoolers to camp. We take them out in the woods. We take their phones away. We preach to them, you'll fall in hell tonight. So we're trying to get this word alive in them so that it works and it's real and it's not just some dusty set of sayings. What are we trying to do with our young people? What are we trying to do in a weekend? Why are we so uh, focused on this word? Why? So you'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Have you, I don't know, you may have thought about this. God may be taking us through this Hearing God series, and some of you are like, well, I've heard some of this. I'm getting some new. Some of you, it's all new. But either way, he's always doing something in us, so he's equipping you right now for the good work he has ahead of you. New foundation, new equipping, new tools, because this is a life journey in this Bible. It, you never outgrow the need to grow. He also kept on going with him, by the way, too, and he, he just, he, he kept telling him different things. He said, you know, watch your life, but also watch your doctrine. He said, people will see you if you do that, and they'll see your progress. They'll be drawn to what you have. He also told him to study this Bible, like focus on it and know how to rightly divide it or properly handle it. And so that you are able to not be a person who's ashamed, but be equipped. And so he kept this dialogue going with his son in the Lord. And it's an application of what the father says to us today as well. And, and yet I started thinking about spiritual father. I started thinking about, you know, God's heart for us, our heart for others. Um, greatest two things that happened to me this week. I always love to tell you current stories. We had a great set of services last week. More people are getting saved in our church than ever. People are getting changed. You guys are jumping in on this hearing God. I'm so proud of you. It's amazing. God's doing, our campuses are having record numbers of people. There's so many good things happening. But for me, last week, the two big moments for me were at last weekend services, I met a 12-year-old boy named Wyatt. He heard my message, and that's him at Saturday night service. Last week, though, I met him. He came up to me with his Bible. He said, Pastor, I want to know how to hear from God out of my Bible. I said, well, God wants you. I never met him before. I knelt down right there in the commons. I had the team. We got him a little journal, a little milestone journal. He put a cross on it. He, he opened up that thing. I said, now I'm going to take this book. And I took him to the book of John, and I gave him some notes. And I said, this week, I want you to kind of get in it. See if you can do a chapter a day, maybe a half a chapter. Like, do it and write down what God tells you. And I was excited about it. I didn't even know, you know, he may have left the church, you know, his first week or whatever. I didn't know where he was at. But... He came to Saturday night church and came up to me and said, Pastor, I want to show you my journal. He opened it up and he had pages. Man, neat notes in there. Just wrote down all these things God was showing him through John. I couldn't help but think about Wyatt. Like 50 years later, like when he's my age, like what's that journal going to look like? What are all the things God's going to show him? Like, like that for me was what made my week.
not the crowds, but Wyatt. The other one was my daughter, Lauren Elizabeth. She called me. She's going to Baylor. She's studying nursing. And it's been a stressful time because she's taking anatomy and physiology. We put out some good doctors at Baylor, so it's a real hard class. They do coloring books at a and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. <laughs> but... And I was actually just glad because I had a kid who cared. I, I know my older kids right now, it's like, man, Dad, you're throwing us under the bus. Like, I was just glad that I had a kid who cared about their grade. Anyway, <laughs> I just feel powerful saying that. It's like, Lauren cared, so that produced stress. But my question to her was, I said, baby girl, are you spending time with God? And I don't like to talk too much about this or even, I, I know it's pressure, but I just want to help a young parent out there right now. Like, please hear me. My kids would rather me not say anything or even I'm not saying this to highlight Lauren like she's perfect, though she's pretty amazing. I said, are you spending time with God? She said, oh, Dad, I hadn't been sleeping a lot, but I'm not going to miss that. I get up. I get up out early because I want to be with them. And I get my Bible and I read it and... I have a roommate and I can't always play my worship music and I spend time with God. Can I say to some of you young families, hear me right now as someone who has kids farther down the road. We spend so much money and energy on balls, recitals, sports, tutoring. Why are we so focused here at Milestone Church on tutoring your kids in the word? Because when you're my age, that's what you care about. Because that's what will sustain them. And my kids played sports and I'm all, most of them are not going to be pro athletes. But they're all going to need the word. They're all going to need to hear from God. I shared that story this weekend and another little girl came to me and she said, well, I'm taking anatomy and physiology. She said, what scripture would you give me? I said, I would like you to go to the word and see where Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. See if I will not give you rest. I prayed over that young girl. I said, you need to take that word and put it on the dash and pray over it. See, the word works. You're like, all right, I want to engage with this Bible. Talk to me about how. Talk to me about what I do. How do I engage with the Word? Number one, you have to see it as a story. I think this is one of the big blocks from a larger landscape. That is that everyone loves a good story. In fact, when you're communicating, you can give information, but then you can say, hey, let me tell you a story. Everybody keys in. But a lot of people don't see the Bible as a story. It's a meta-narrative. That's just an academic term to, to say that it's a comprehensive story that explains everything. So there's a, there's a story in the stories. So there's this larger story of this God and the story of Jesus and him coming to dwell among us. And you call that a lot of times this crimson thread that runs through the story. I don't have time to give you all the ins and outs of it and and, and preach this to you, but I, I worked on this. I didn't get this out of the, a commentary or off the internet. I just sat down and was like, I want to show you the larger narrative, and I, and I put it all in a graph there for you. It's going to be for anybody online. You'll be able to get it. You'll be able to get it on our app, and so it's there. You can also look at the QR code, but it, it gives you kind of what's going on in the story from the beginning, the 
the, the very beginning of creation, the fall of man, that there's these patriarchs that God begins to work through, the exodus and the, the promised land periods and wilderness and the kingdoms and, and, and people in the Old Testament, there's, there's, there's something that's happening in the story. God shows up. God helps them. They fall away. He still is gracious. They have these periods where they're away from him. I know a lot of people think that the God of the Old Testament is angry and wrathful and on the wrong side of the bed every single day. The truth is when you read the Old Testament, he's incredibly long-suffering, incredibly gracious. I mean, I know me, I was even a kid reading it. I thought, I would fry these people. Are you joking me? But he's working his redemptive plan through humanity. So there's the story of all stories. There's a a, a silent period, then there's the Gospels and Jesus. And, and, and so you're like, why do you say this? You can, you can look at this. The letters to the churches, I'll show you in a minute some of the, the, the literature aspects of the story, but you have to see it as, oh, wait a minute. I, I'm not just reading about this Old Testament story of some sort, like it's, it's a story within the story. So it's like a puzzle. I think a lot of you could probably, again, maybe some of you can like, hey, I could get this puzzle. It's like uh, with little kids, we make them big blocks, okay? So you've got maybe New Testament, Old Testament. Some of you are like, I didn't know that. It's okay. We're all starting somewhere. There's an old, there's a new. It's like, okay, wait a minute. Moses, I know that one. Moses, you've seen the movies. Let my people go. All right, I got it, I got it. But like, is he in Genesis or is he... Is he over here closer to the prophets? Like, where do these people fit, right? And so you've got Moses, and you've got something. Then you got, okay, Jesus. Well, I know Jesus is over here, New Testament, and you could maybe piece that together. But for a lot of people, it doesn't feel like a big block puzzle. It feels like this. It feels like, oh, my gosh, there's these big group of puzzle pieces, and if you put one of these kind of puzzles together, doesn't it help if you have the box to look at the overall story. One idea is if you're at that place is to understand, maybe you might wanna like look at downloading a reading plan that's chronological. You, you might wanna take my little chart there and put your Bible into those pieces a little bit so that you understand there's a larger story, okay? Let me make it real practical. You, 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 you're not as interested in, oh, that's a textbook of information that I don't care about, but if it's stories that will help you understand the person that you love, you're more engaged with the story. My dad was nine, my grandfather passed away in a car accident. And uh, years ago, my dad met through a family friend, someone who knew my grandfather. I never got to meet my grandfather. And so my dad was very excited about this. He had me take him to this man's house and when we got there, like, we were really interested. We wanted to ask him stories, like, tell us about him, and tell us where you went, and tell us what happened. If you meet somebody, what are you going to do? You're going to ask them, like, tell me where you live. Tell me your story. Tell me what happened. When you approach the Bible in a way that you understand, oh, wait a minute. This is a collection of stories that tell one great story. You're engaged in it more in a more powerful way. It's like nowadays, you know, you, you have the, these series, you know, and you like binge or you're you watching them. You know, my wife and I watch a series, you know, and, and she's like, don't go ahead without me. That'd be the, that's a cardinal sin. 
You know, if I go, no, we got to watch it together, you know, and then, you know, we interpret, and she's like, well, who's that? I'm like, that's the main character. And then we just, you know, we get, we start working through, and then, and, and, and she understands this about it, because she saw that, and so it's, it's that way with the Bible, okay? So just to inspire you, see it as a story. Number two, read it as inspired literature. Now, it is inspired by God, God breathed, but it's also literature. This will help you read the Bible. You're like, what kind of literature? Well, the first section of it is you got the Pentateuch. You've got these critical foundational historical narratives of the creation of the world and these key figures. So you have a historical narrative, right? So you're reading these. You're looking at how they're relating to God. They're looking at what God's saying to them. Then you have wisdom literature. I did a year-long study on wisdom literature. It's fascinating. Like in the book of Psalms, like there are, there are like characteristics of creation ascribed to God, like mountains and, and, and God. And so it makes you just have an awe of God when you read Psalms. It's like this majestic God, this amazing God. But you probably don't take wisdom literature to primarily find your doctrinal beliefs in Christian behavior. That's not the main source of it. What's the goal of the wisdom literature in the Old Testament combined really is this was a pluralistic culture. There were many gods. And so with many gods, it was a continual emphasis. That's why over and over, he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. The earth is his footstool. It's why does it keep saying that? Because if he's the God who was here before anything, and he's the God that created everything, then he is the God that really is God, not the little G's, the big G. And when that God, as the Father God, sends his Son as the Son of God to redeem humanity, humanity can point and say, he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, he is the one we should follow. So it's, it does this over and over, but it's important that you know you're reading that wisdom literature, prophecy. These are forth-telling, proclaiming of this coming Christ. Some may know there's some major prophets. You may be able to name some. A lot of us can name, name there's minor ones as well. Then there's the Gospels. This is the life of Jesus. This is his life with his disciples. This is where we get the heart of Jesus. He came as God so we could know God. Like, we want to read those red letters, because that's man right there, boom, we get that from Jesus. And then there are these epistles, right? Epistles are not wives of the apostles. Epistles are not junior apostles. Epistles are letters, okay? These are letters to churches. So where do we get a lot of it? We get doctrine mostly from Jesus, and we get mostly from these letters that are written Post his resurrection, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, people like you and me, we are fortunate to live on the backside of the cross with the inspiration and understanding. Next week, we'll talk about the Holy Spirit who guides us into truth. We have that now. So we get that from these letters, and then Revelation and Daniel is apocalyptic language. Why is it important to know that's apocalyptic language? It's prophetically encoded language. I don't have time to preach on that. The Bible says you're blessed if you read the book of Revelation, but part of it, the first portion, is letters to churches telling them not to be lukewarm, to, to, to love your first love. But then there's this, this, this language that we have to approach with all humility 
to understand. I get a little upset at people who take apocalyptic language and stand up and put a chart together and say, this is this and that, and, da, 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 and you're kind of like, really? Like you can just easily say that all means that exactly because it's, it, it, it is to be approached with humility because it is apocalyptic in nature. You're like, why are you telling us this? Let me make it as real as possible. Why do we need to know the literature of the Bible? Let me make, it, make one that's real clear. Wisdom literature. I had a guy the other day, he said, I don't, I don't, believe, I don't believe anybody should be in debt. He's like, I, I, don't, I think it's wrong. So he had a personal conviction about debt. I'm like, well, how do you use the word to tell everybody they should never be in debt? Can you buy a house on debt? Can you have non-consumer debt? Are all bankers going to hell? In the wisdom literature, there is wisdom sayings that's like, hey, be cautious with this. But there's no imperative command. Do not, when it comes to sex, like there's a bunch of do nots. Do not, Jesus' man took it up. Don't even look in the wrong way, much less act. Do not commit adultery. Flee sexual immorality. That's the most personalized area of most Americans' lives, and the Bible is dogmatic and clear. Boom! Don't. Do not. Husband, wife, man, woman, holy matrimony, one box, that's all there is. But debt? Like, we got to be careful here. It says, now again, I, I don't, I haven't had consumer debt for years. I'm like, no, let's, say, let's, let's use caution. Like, like let's, let's avoid it if we can. But I can't put that, where we run, you know how many people this weekend have come up to me, thank you. You know how many people we have run off from the church for making something an imperative command, a do not that's really a personal conviction that's more from wisdom literature. When the Bible says don't, it repeats itself and it's abundantly clear. But you can't put personal convictions on other people. You gotta understand it. So for years here at Milestone, I've taught the old Moravian motto. In the essentials, we have to have unity. By 380 AD, the early fathers, they fought and fought and fought to get what? To get the essentials of the faith. Man, we got to have unity in this. Like, look, there are people who do certain things in the non-essentials because we can have unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, but love for all. Like, so what do you mean by that? The essentials, creation, Jesus is the son of God. You are saved by grace through faith. The Bible is the word of God. I was with the pastor the other day. He, they baptize different than we do. Here at Milestone, I take baptizo, immerse. I could show you point to the reasons why I have a personal belief that it means, and that's why we have a tank or wheel one into our campuses. We take you in it. We dunk you under till you bubble and come up saying tithe, and together we build. <laughs> For him at his church, a little dabble do you. It's like, okay, but we can be brothers. Like, where is that non-essential line where we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ? But charity for all, love for all. I'm so tired of people giving the microphone to quote-unquote Christian spokespeople who are angry and mean. We, and, and by the way, I just went through this the last few years. I was so disappointed. So disappointed as a pastor. We, we can't, as Christian people, lose the ability to hold firm to that which the Bible says hold firm to.
but be people that can have civil discussions, loving discussions, interact with people different than us with grace and truth like our Savior did. He had grace and truth. He, and so you tend to lean one way or the other. This is important when you talk about this understanding of literature. Here's the final thing. Some of you are like, why do you have these chairs? What is this all about? I know you've been sitting there the whole time. What's he going to do with those chairs? <laughs> I don't do it a lot, but I want to finish the message by getting real practical. What are these chairs? This is from a nook in my bedroom. Um, this is where I spend time with God. It, it's got similar, I mean, this pens and my Bible and some books and and, and, and I just thought I might just take you into it for a minute. Like make it as real as I can. How, how do you spend time with God? How do you receive from the Bible? Well, well, well there's some thoughts I want to give you. First of all, it's good to have a defined place. Um, there's a nook in my bedroom. Um, since we've lived here in Keller, we've had two houses. My house that I raised my kids in. Uh, had a nook. Our house now has a little nook in our bedroom. And I used to have an older chair, and uh, it was kind of my chair. Then my wife said, I want to I get a chair. So she brought her a chair into my deal. <laughs> it's a partnership. And so she, though, likes to spend time with God in the living room. Because she gets in there, she turns the fire on. So she got her a chair with a blanket. I don't need a blanket. I, I, big men burn diesel. Okay? So I've got an inferno. All right? But she likes to go in the living room, and she turns on worship music and spends time with God. But then she brought her a chair, and so she, and, and she, she's amazing. She's my, one of my greatest friends. But, like, it's kind of been a tension her chair, because I didn't really want her to get a chair in my little area here, because that technically means she has two chairs and I have one, and then I use her chair because she forgets about her chair because her chair is not an everyday thing. My chair is, so she's, she doesn't come for a while to her chair, so I stack books in her chair, because I always got stuff I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of studying things and stuff. And so then she comes and moves them to the floor. So right now they're all stacked up over there and then she'll come and sit, you know, and be like, what's up? Like, all right. Anyway, um, so, so I have my, my charger. This is my old charger. It's like, I don't know how old it is. I've had the same one for like 15 years. My team said, Jeff, you need to get a new one because they charge faster. But I have the same one. This is also a major house problem at my house. I have the same one. They've had like 15 per year. And then this week, Lainey got mine. And I'm like, look, we believe in the New Testament. We're under grace. In this area, you're under law. Never get my charger again. Otherwise, the wrath of Almighty God will fall on your life. Okay? So you have to have a defined place. And Atomic Habits, by the way, which is that book, sold 15 million copies, says there's a cue or a prompt. A cue or a prompt. So when I pass that chair in my bedroom, that's where I spend time with God, okay? The other thing is get you a Bible that you can read. I'm being real practical here for a minute. Get you a Bible you can read. This Bible right here 
is the Bible Brandy gave to me when we got engaged. Man, I've journeyed with God in this Bible. She wrote me in here. This is that we just got engaged. I love you with all my heart. You're so special to me. She wrote in here about we're going to build our life on, on the truth of God's word. Yeah. I've had prayer cards in here of praying for my kids' spouses and praying for our church. See, when I go to this Bible in this chair in my bedroom, I don't go there just as a pastor. I go there as a husband, as a dad, as a friend, as a friend of Jesus, as a follower. And I've prayed, I look back over the prophecies and still prophecies that are yet to be fulfilled and prayers I prayed for you and things God did. But get you a Bible. This is a new open Bible. I studied biblical languages, so I like the New American Standards a little more wooden. But there's, look, there is paraphrases, which are writers that summarize and simplify the message, like the message or the living Bible. There's also translations where scholars work carefully to go back to the original language, all right? So you have the NIV, you have the ESV, you have the NASB. And I know people get contentious about this. Don't email me. I'm not going to read it anyway, but anyway, like just don't, all right? I want to read to King Jimmy. Okay, dude, we got you. Okay, we got you. All right, so get a Bible you can read and you'll engage with and it'll help your journey. Get a reading plan. I gave Wyatt a reading plan. John, read one chapter in John and maybe Psalms and Proverbs. But really at the end of the day, I want to close with this. I wanted to make it really real for you. I thought I might just take you to a place with all the prayers and and this is like a map of my life with God. And so I'll, I'll have different reading plans and different things that I'm reading. But I look back this week, I thought, man, I would love to show you just how it really works. Look at this. I put it on the screen, the left side. Numbers 13, God's promise to me, May 2nd, 1996. So I was, that year in September, I would have turned 23 years old. I was pastoring a church that was real, an older church, been around a long time, and somehow had lost its way. And the leaders there, like, they said they wanted the church to be this, but they didn't realize how that would impact them and their philosophies and mindsets. So honestly, I was kind of a naive 22-year-old, 21-year-old. Man, I was just preaching the Bible, and people started getting saved. And all these people started coming. They started bringing their friends. And the problem was they brought me in on a Sunday night and said, hey, you got to go because all these people are coming. That's where I lost my hair. I was like, I thought that was the goal. Alcoholism was a problem in the town. I opened the fellowship hall. I said, hey, let's talk to these people about what the Bible says. And somebody smoked in there. Heaven forbid, man. They're like, that is unacceptable. I'm like, well, I don't really want them smoking in there, but you know, smoking won't, it, it won't send you to hell, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. <laughs> I mean, what's the real target here? And then I invited the African-American pastor to preach at our Thanksgiving service and said, I'm not coming unless he's invited. I don't understand all these years why you've excluded these people. And so they had decided... These are the people and these are not the people. And I didn't get a new Bible. I preached from the same one I grew up with. 
And, and my Bible says there's neither Jew nor Greek or male nor female. And, 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 and all the ground is level at the foot of the cross, right? That we're all desperately in need of Jesus. And, and I was at a real crux because even the people that I was being mentored by, like said, Jeff, calm down, we'll get you another job. So I don't think you really can understand like all of what we're part of today in my own life was in the balance because I had to make a decision. Would I be a man of God and a pastor that preached the word of God or a politician? And I was reading in Numbers 13 and they were, they were looking at, see what happened was God had this group of people that he had delivered. He wanted to take them in the promised land and he brings them up to this place where he starts describing what it is and they're debating, is it that good? And then they send 12 spies in and two come back with a different report than the other 10. And one comes back, look at the right side. Thus they told him and said, we went in the land where you sent us and it certainly does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. They said, bring some of the fruit back. And they're like, it's as good as God says it is. But then the next line says that these others said, ah, there's strong people there. It's fortified. We can't take it. But Caleb and Joshua Caleb down further said, we shall surely take possession of it. And it was in that moment, if you look up on that margin right there, this is when I was 22 years old. A man who will not speak God's message, a challenge to take God's promised land, will wander in misery. Do you know there was a whole generation of people that didn't go in, they wandered. And that was me in a chair like that, God saying, do you want to go in or do you want to wander? And I said, Lord, I want to go in. That's why my son's name is Caleb. All those years ago, you say, why are you telling us this? God wants to meet you the same way in that place. He wants to speak to you in that same way. Is it every day earth-shattering things? No, but that happens too. I'm gonna ask you to stand on your feet. Lord, I pray for these precious people. I pray, Lord, that first of all, if there's one person who's never come to the living word, the living word, you, Jesus. If you're here, you don't know Jesus, just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. I receive you today. If you're online or you're in a video service, just pray, Jesus, I surrender today. But also, second of all, Lord, for all of us, we desperately want to know your will. We desperately need your help. We need to be equipped for every good work with our money, with our kids, with our marriage, with our lives. Lord, we just say today, we commit, we long to be with you. We long to come be with you and hear from you and you speak to us through your word. We thank you that you do in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.